everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're about to hear a very, very special A Date with Dateline. This episode, since last week we aired our give or take 200th episode, and it was give or take because of this episode, which is our lost episode. This is the episode that was the second or first, maybe third, I don't know why I said those numbers in odd order, episode that we ever released, ever. And then it somehow disappeared from the internet. We don't know where it went. We are re-releasing it for you guys. Yay! It's very exciting. And it's also a crazy bonkers episode. It's all about Lost. These people land from a plane on an island, (laughs) and there's a polar bear Mm -hmm. and a kid named Walt, who Mm -hmm. maybe ages too fast or not at all. I don't remember. There's something about Walt that's special. Right. But yeah. yeah, um, That guy from... Party of Five is in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a good show. Yeah. Um, We're just going to so walk you through the finale episode of that because it's so confusing. <laughs> with no explanation. <laughs> <laughs> Never referencing what happens leading up to that. No. So um, this is the episode where you're going to hear us being a little bit more judgy than we usually are. couple things. A, we were new at podcasting. Mm-hmm. Maybe weren't as sensitive as we are now. B, this is one of maybe three episodes that I can think of where Dateline speaks about the victim in less than flattering terms. Correct. So, But you don't find that out till a little bit in. So if you think we're being extra harsh towards the beginning, you need to keep going. Um, Because you will hear the quote from Mank, if poor choices made money, she would be a Rockefeller. Yeah. It's excellent. Also, you're going to hear some things that might confuse you a little. Things like, we didn't know that Mankey had a brother, because this was before we started to actively stalk him. Actively use Bing or ask Jeeves with any regularity. (laughs) Right. Um, And I also, I think, refer to him as my boyfriend at one point, which is very weird, because now he's our friend, and that's weird. Um, Oh, that's still in. I didn't take that out. Yeah. That's also, for posterity. Also, you're going to hear the classic, so sorry, Mankey. You're going to hear classic tropes that we are starting yes. to piece together that will eventually become our bingo cards, like Loving Life and yes. Sir Mankey with the Hanky. You're also going to hear a cameo from my now dearly departed dog, Griff, which is quite a shocker when I listened to the episode. It actually brought um, tears to my eyes. I was like, oh, <laughs> And then it hurt. It hurt really bad in my heart. I was like, Um, why did I let him bark so much? Uh, I just thought it was cute. Um, It is cute. It was cute. Let me be clear. It was (laughs) cute. And I left Um, it in on purpose. So there you go. This is from 2017. So this is before Lil Baby Rona was even a gleam in her mother's eye. Mm -hmm. This is before we could make jokes about faking being on the crew team to get into USC. This is before we um, started eating Tide Pods. This is before we were asking important questions like, Kiki, do you love me? This was such a different time. What is that? It's a song, Katie. Is it a new song? No, it is not. Okay. Okay. I mean, I knew that. Shut up. I don't know. <laughs> what? Okay. Do you know Moving about on. the Tide Pod thing? <laughs> well, I do know, I know Tide Pods very well. I just maybe don't know Kiki. Also, you're going to hear us also reference some TV shows that we never, ever talk about now, which is kind of fun because it's clear that we were watching very different things three years ago. 
Really? That's kind of fun. Yes. The shows That's that we funny. reference are very different than what... It's not you Arrested not Development, started... King of the Hill, Bob's Burgers. No, you hadn't like been on that was not happening all the time like it is now like the, the, office. Re- the repeat okay. right no we don't reference the office even once it's confusing um it's basically you <laughs> we, know when we, we get were a, different people then when we get a baby mank baby dennis baby keith episode i feel like i don't say yeah. baby andrea because andrea is still a baby or is she just a yeah, babe we ageless. don't know so ageless when we get when we get those this is our one of those this is our Baby Katie, Baby Kimberly episode. Yes, exactly. Good. In all our glory, new to podcasting. Yeah, we, yeah I really totally needed a pop screen. About. You'll hear some weird <laughs> stuff on the peas. Sound sort of fluffy. That that was. But I, I can't didn't know believe this was. is the episode of the Mountain Dew messy car with yeah. the. Weird noises coming from the back of the car. Some of you eagle-eared listeners remembered this episode. You said, I heard this episode once and then I could never find it again. And that's how we knew it had disappeared. So thank you for that. This is also the episode where Mankey gets full-on cussed out on national TV. It's an an unbelievable episode. I might say this is the episode we fully fell in love with Mankey. Because we saw what a pro he was oh, and maybe. what a snark, snark master he was. You might be you might be correct on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great episode. And, and I'm glad. And we're happy to bring it to you today. Just give it give it a break. Some parts are, you know, not as polished. Yeah. Not like we're we super were polished now, but yeah. it's an early episode. Um but I think you guys will enjoy it. It's a great episode. Thank you, period. guys. Thank you for letting us get to 200. And this will be 201, even though it was originally maybe one or two or three. We're unsure. It just disappeared. We don't just, know. That's so but, weird. Yeah. It's very I know. Strange. But we couldn't have gotten here without you guys. So we're so, so grateful. Yes, Please we are. share the show. Tell people about the show because we want to grow in 2021. So yes. thank you. We hope 2021 is better for all of you. We love you. Happy New Year. And Happy New Year. Potty's here. Potty's here. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And we will one day do this intro without laughing. This is a date with Dateline. This episode is called Under the Prairie Sky. It is hosted by Josh Mankiewicz, the Mankey. It is season 25, episode 32. I love that we get 32 episodes. Like, 32. It's amazing. You only get like 22 of Scandal. Oh, that is true. Not that I have watched Scandal this season, but still, like another show. Pretend I said another show. When did you um, stop watching Scandal is the question. When she got kidnapped, oh. fake kidnapped, or was it real kidnapped? It was kind of real kidnapping, I guess. But then it just got so convoluted. I should get back to watching that. And I love Melly. She was great. No one loves Melly. No one loves Melly. She's so hilarious. No one. No, no one. Not no. like the first. The first season you hate her, but then you kind of love her, right? Do you love to hate her? Oh, the vast majority, I think, still hate Melly. Oh my God! Did I just out myself because I like Melly? Maybe. Oh God! Is it like admitting that you liked the mom on Walking Dead? Should we start over? Oh God! Maybe <laughs> we should edit this whole part out. But please write us and tell me that I'm not the only one. Please, please she tweet was... us if you're a fan of Melly. Yeah. Somebody has to be. <laughs> Anyways, this episode aired on May 21st, 2017. I'm so embarrassed. Let's move on. I think we're going to get mail in the other direction that you're going to be wrong and you're going to feel foolish for mocking me. Like I've seen her on Ellen, the actress, and the audience applauds for her. 
It's not like they stand up in their seats and turn around and <laughs> put their backs to her. They seem to enjoy her when she goes on Ellen. I don't think people have a problem with the actress. I think people have a problem with the character of Melly. Melly is... I think she's spunky. What I find in the most interesting about this conversation is we're like, we're going to keep this under an hour tonight. And now we have decided to spend our first minutes delving into the characters. It's my fault for mentioning Scandal, scandal. as the show I wish got a longer season, a show in which I no longer watch. Okay, let's get under the prairie sky, shall we? Yes, uh, let's crawl under that prairie sky with Mankiewicz. Now I want to like curl up on a blankie with him and just look up at the stars. Aww. Mankey on a blankie. <laughs> oh, God in heaven. This is Montana. Someone in the opening credits, we have to discuss, whatever they call the pre the preview part, before they actually start the episode, they tell you what's going to happen that's good. The lead-in? Yeah, let's go with lead-in. Okay. Or a bumper. Someone says the F word to Mankey. Yeah. And it is a shocker. And people on Twitter, very upset. <gasps> They're defending Mankey. They do not like when their Mankey is cussed at. No. There were lots of jokes about him throwing their po- his pocket square in that man's face. Something like a red flag in soccer. Or just taking his his hanky Mankey's, Mankey's hanky pocket square and just shoving it right in that man's face for cussing at him. Because mm. he looks dignified, but he, he's not. Mankiewicz will get down the floor and beat you down for talking to him like that. You have no proof of that. No, I just feel it. Like he's like a a teddy bear, but then when you cross him, he's a grizzly. It's good imagery. I like that. No, it's really good. Yeah. So across Montana sits this prairie, which something they say like the view is as empty as the sky or some such nonsense. Did you catch that? Basically what they've done is they've recycled from the desert episode into the Montana episode. And we now have two vast spaces where there's a shroud of something usually murder but it's it's a vast open wide space i don't i don't know why i don't know why we discuss it so much i don't know it has to be like a metaphor for the murder in an area this wide and deep the only thing are trees and secrets or something like that but there are no trees there's like a cacti <laughs> yeah it's true nothing there's nothing <laughs> okay so then they say it's a mystery that remains to this day and then i freaked out a little i got very upset because i thought they were implying that they did not find the killer cuz sometimes when life my life is very uncertain and i am filled with angst and turmoil i cannot handle an episode of dateline that ends with a mystery can't i need that closure because my own life is fraught with chaos. So that's how I'm feeling. And I'm glad I kept watching because we did get closure. So bear with us. We got closure. I don't know what they're talking about. The mystery that remains to this day, I guess. Well, I do kind of know what they're talking about, but we'll get to that. So life, they say, is high school with money. I've never heard that expression. It was my favorite. Life is high school. No, Mank says it. Mank says... Life is high school. You know, they say it's been said. Life is high school with money. Been said by whom? He didn't say. I think it's, I think Mankiewicz and his friends say it. (laughs) I don't think, I think they say it amongst each other. I'm not judging because if Mank says it, it's good enough for me. I will accept that as a common phrase if he uses it because I respect him. But I have never heard that phrase. But do you want to talk about the much better phrase following, which is... (laughs) 
well, life, this- <laughs> go. You can do it because I'm 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 as we speak sewing this onto a pillow for you because it's so it's so choice. Life is high school with murder. <laughs> no, it's it should be life is high school with murder. With that's murder. how. I- yeah, yeah, that's how I feel like it should be said. I got to really think about that. I got to analyze if see if my life is like high school. God, I hope not. That is the most depressing thing I've ever heard. I know. If life is high school. The best thing about high school is that it ends. High school ends. That's the best. If you have to live your life and it's still high school, oh, that's terrible. That's why I thought life with high school, life is high school with money was like a particularly horrifying quote. It was not. I was like, oh, it's, it's terrible. That's my nightmare. I never got to leave high school, and the popular kids now have money? That's <laughs> not just their parents' money? That's worse. No, way worse. Because now I'm not just, like, kind of a loser. I'm also poor. So Aww. this is just the worst high school experience ever that I'm living. Sorry. Yeah, it sucks. Nicole or Nikki Waller is our, I want to say it like really fancy, like our soup du jour, and she is our victim du jour. And what it are you sounds doing? terrible because she was a person and a mother. So let's, let's just pretend I never said it. But she is our victim tonight. But she's our, she's our, our special dish of the night. <laughs> Murders on the menu tonight. Murders on the menu. She uh, loved animals, which makes me like her a lot. They had mice and frogs and salamanders and newts. Those don't even sound like animals to me. Those are witches. Those are things that go in a cauldron, and we all know it. (laughs) Those are witches. Witches brew ingredients. I don't think you loved animals. I think you had like a terrarium and a lot of reptiles. No, they had a crick. They had a crick. It's not a creek. It's a crick. And we yes, went down to the crick, and then there's salamanders and newts. And what What were the other things? Rodents? Mice. Yeah, no, that's at a crick. That's a that's a crick and behind an AMPM. That's where those animals are. A rodent is behind the gas station. Salamanders in the crick. I don't know why I'm so snobby about pets, but I just appreciate more of a traditional pet. I like a dog. That, that would be a pet. If someone says that she loves animals... The immediate reaction is, oh, she loved dogs. She volunteered at the animal shelter, right? This is what you think. This is what I think. Not what the sister continues to say, which is, you know, salamanders and newts and rats. That's not. (laughs) It's not what you think of. It's just not. As a person who appreciates people who are quirky and a little bit different, I kind of enjoyed that. But I don't think she was like walking around with a snake wrapped around her neck at the mall. I don't think she was one of those. Would Cody be someone that you would see walking around the mall with a snake on his chest? Oh, yeah. Cody is much closer to one of those people. Okay, we'll get to Cody, but I just want to throw that out there. Okay. Or Gary from Teen Mom, as we will be calling him. <laughs> I don't think you watch Teen Mom, do you? Oh, I know exactly who Gary is. Uh, you know is who Gary is? Gary and Amber. And yes! I didn't put it together till just now. Okay, yes. let's move along so people know what we're talking about. Because this episode is just, it's got some good, some good yes. Montana business in it. So we meet Nikki through her sister, Carmen, who talks fondly about her, but not that fondly for a sister. She's very eager yeah. to gossip about her sister. Yeah. But I do appreciate that she doesn't say that she loved life. She just says she loved animals and they played around and they fought a lot. She doesn't sugarcoat it and say we no. got along so wonderfully. It was so amazing to have a sister. She said we fought newts and salamanders, not cats and dogs, obviously. She tells this story about when they were playing around their dad 
that was not that funny, and now I can't remember what the story was. But what struck me was how into it Josh was. Makowitz was like oh, yes. grinning from ear to ear, like he had never heard such a story. I think it was they were roughhousing, and then the dad was like, "What are you doing?" They're like, "Oh, nothing." They would be fighting, fighting, fighting. But when the parent would come in, they'd be like, no, no, we're not fighting. And they'd be on the same team again. So it was always them against the parents. But that's a very common antidote. Right. And Mankiewicz has seemingly never heard something like that because he was giddy with excitement. Does he have he brothers was, and sisters? Maybe not. Maybe he's an only Mank because oh. he showed more teeth than I've ever seen him show. He did. I was like, I know exactly I was the like those are his about. teeth. He is laughing. He's <laughs> into this. So then we meet uh, Nikki's very good friend, Cammy. Wait, you're calling her Nikki already? She is still referred to as Nicole at this point. Oh, I feel one a kinship with her because of the newts. So I'm going to jump right to Nikki. Um, <laughs> she's casual Nikki who has newts. She's not a Nicole. She's a Nikki. We saw the inside of her car and it was a Nikki. It was not a Nicole car. So her friend Cammy is for sure wearing a bumpet, right? Absolutely. You're totally right. I did not. Yeah, she is. She is. And I, I like that look. I've liked it since the Dixie Chicks rocked it because I think it's slimming. Cammie's a curvier girl as myself. It kind of slims the face. If you go higher, the higher the hair, the closer to God. And so she bumped that up. It was high. And I, I, I left, thought it was cute. I want to bring it back. I know you're judging me. I don't care. I said nothing. You gave a look. So Cammie says... <laughs> That Nikki was a free spirit that's getting closer to loving life. She didn't really worry about anything. She was the kid all the time. Seems like a little irresponsible. So then when Cammie got married, of course, Nicole missed the rehearsal. Oh, that Nikki. I feel like Nikki did stuff like that a lot. And people would be like, oh, that Nikki. She had that sort of, yeah. oh, Nikki. Nikki being late with her salamanders walking in in the middle of dinner again. But I think she didn't show up for the rehearsal because she was pissed because it was the ugliest bridesmaid's dress that I have ever seen in my entire life. Did you catch it? It was blue. It was. And a lacy neck. This lace overlay over the cleavage was in the shape of a V, like an 80s riverboat casino hostess. (laughs) So that's why she didn't show up. I'm just going to tell Cammie that right now. And there's no way that looked good on every bridesmaid. No, that was not a flattering, universally flattering look. Not at all. So I was a little confused about the timeline here because if Cammie and Nikki were approximately the same age, by my math, she was like (laughs) 17 or 18 in the late 90s when she got married. She was in 2002, she was 21, which would mean in the late 90s, she was 17 or 18. So her friend was also getting married Possibly at 17 or 18. I know this is Montana, but... This is why we're having problems. I have the exact same thing. Nicole is pregnant at 18 in 2000. So Nicole is 18, you're right, in 2000. But late 90s was the wedding. Also, are they just saying late 90s? Are they changing the timeline? Is Cammie older than her? And Cammie was getting married over 16. I just need her to be over 16 when she's getting married. That's all I need I have Nikki hung out with either a much older girl or Cammie was a child bride. Yes. I have one of those two scenarios, and that's all I've got. Yes, because I was concerned. She must have had parental consent on the form because there's no – or she was the older friend. She's the older, cooler friend. 
But still, she still couldn't have been that much older. That's not that old. She's under 20 for sure. I don't know what's going on. So she, anyways, she got pregnant. Nikki, not Cammy. Nikki, she got pregnant and apparently stopped partying and decided to go to nursing school to be a nurse's assistant and married a guy named Jason. Correct. That's all literally Mankiewicz says about him. A guy named Jason. At this point, Mankiewicz is done with the poetics. He's like, he's a guy named Jason. That's all you need to know. There were no, no flowery language anymore. Did we get a f- one fuzzy picture of Jason? One or one. two? Okay. He, I, he did not consent to more, and they probably just couldn't find his Facebook page. I don't know why we get one side shot of him, and it's very fuzzy. But that happens a lot. They really, I don't know if they're doing it to add to the ambiance, but they pick the worst pictures of these people. Oh, Nikki's yeah. pictures are not good. We'll get to that later, but they are not flattering. Jason and Nikki welcome two boys. Yes. She has a neurological condition that kind of develops and puts pressure on her brain, which sounds just horrific. But it also put pressure on her marriage. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> she, she, I just, I was surprised that Mankiewicz didn't do it, so I had to do it for him. Because that really seemed like something he would say. <laughs> so she, I was so proud of myself. She went on, though, her sister says, she was on disability, but yes. she kept going. It didn't stop her. I mean, it stopped her from working, but it didn't stop her from, I don't know, having a good spirit, which I admire. So they break up and she reconnects with this guy, Cody. He's way more important than Jason. We're going to focus more on Cody. He was her friend from high school, right? I do want to interject really quick. I find it interesting that they go from 2001, she marries Jason, they have two boys. So she has three kids as of 2001, right? And then we jump ahead to 2012 is when she reconnects with Cody. When you have young children, I think nothing actually happens to you. And time just dumps ahead because you are doing baby kid stuff. That's what I imagine people who have children feel like. So we have a decade of children. Okay. One day they were single. The next day they woke up. It is a decade later and their kids are finally off to school and they can get part of their life back. And she has like brain stuff. And she has brain issues. So she's dealing with that too. Okay. I gotcha. Nothing of note happened during that time. (laughs) Okay. Don't know. It has still not been confirmed whether or not she actually loved life. Animals, yes. Family, yes. Life, no. That's More to come on that. I mean, I I need to know for each victim of a Dateline episode, did they love life? Check yes or no. Did they light up a room? Check yes or no. Yeah. Could they make you smile just by smiling? Yes. Check yes or no. That's what I need. Anyways, she reconnects with Cody and they get so close that she decides to move her family 500 miles to be with him where there are jobs, get this, in fracking. Now, this episode, we're going to talk about fracking a little bit. Not going to put a political spit on it. I don't want to be too controversial. But anyways, there were tons of new jobs in fracking, digging and oil and stuff like that. True. So she goes to be with him. It's a nine-hour drive, eight or nine-hour drive. And in 2013, she drove to visit him. They hadn't yet moved there. She's preparing for the move. Okay. Okay. She drives to visit him and is driving back home. She never shows up. So her friends report her missing. 
an hour up the road from Cody's house, they find this red expedition, which is a type of vehicle, an SUV. Is it called an expedition? It's expedition. Expedition. Expedition? I think you're saying exposition. You're saying exposition like it's the. <laughs> the I'm. At the I am telling of the, story. the exposition about the expedition right now. Would that be valid? That's a great alternative title, and I'm writing it down. Okay, great. So we meet Craig Overby, who is an FBI agent that gets a call to go check the car. Now, here's the deal with this. It is five degrees outside. That is freaking cold. This car has been found 70 miles away from his house. I would be like, I am an FBI trained agent. I'm not going to go check out this car. Get some young, like, deputy sheriff to do it. No. But it was really good that Craig Overby did it. And I think the reason is because there's, like, no sheriffs there. It's very small police force. It was part of an Indian reservation. So I think the FBI had legal jurisdiction on that land that the car was found on. And that's why they called the FBI. Thank you. Because that was confusing. Yeah. Five why didn't they out. explain it? They explain it later. They very briefly explain it because it should have been just like a rent a cop that goes and has to check it out someone who's in training has to go check out the car but <laughs> Gryffindor my dog is literally trying to burrow into this hole and he is buried in sheets and it's like what they find in the back of this car because there is this little this little f- 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 ferret sound of my 10 pound dog that is coming from this pile of sheets next to me and he can't find his way out. And it is like what they find in the back of this car. The car is packed. Do you want to go into the car? I know you loved the car. Yeah. I want to go into the car. So in the car, what I can see in the back, we have a giant Rubbermaid with a bunch of Christmas supplies, like teddy bears, uh, some sort of garland, glass Christmas ornament balls, what looks to be ski poles or crutches, can't tell, a pillow half out of its case with a funny emoticon sort of border on it, a full white trash bag we can't see inside. I don't know what's in it. It might be garbage. It might be clothes. We'll never know. And you can see at least two dangly, smelly trees. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Two what? Dangly, smelly trees. Those two, the little air fresheners. Is that what they're called? They're called air fresheners. They're not called smelly trees, right? They're they're shaped like a tree. Did you just make that up? They shape like a tree and they smell like vanilla. They're yellow. Okay. So we, okay. I just didn't know that was, okay. Go, 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 please continue. And then we have in the front, we have in the passenger seat, we've got it. Well, we've got an open Mountain Dew. We have a few packs of Marlboro Reds. We've got pictures of friends or family in frames, framed pictures, just hanging out, a baseball hat, a phone book, and a phone about bo- a phone a- book, a phone book. This is what year again? This is in the 2000s, 2013. Yeah, Yeah, she's got got a white pages in the front seat and about a gazillion pill bottles. I have never seen so many pill bottles or or pill bottles that look like this because I'm used to that sort of traditional orange with a white top. These are like a foggy white with a white top, which is maybe it's Montana, Montana pharmacy or something. Yeah, for all of her neurological problems. So the FBI guy, Craig Overby, can't see anything inside. He opens it up and he couldn't see if there was a person in there or anything, but it's so piled high with stuff, as you mentioned, that he just can't tell if there's a body somewhere. But then he hears a sound 
coming from the back. And then they go to commercial and you have to wait to find out what it is. Irritating. And it's super creepy, right? I was very intrigued. I thought it was her children. I really did. And, and I thought they were in the back. He walks around to the back door. He opens it up and it is two guinea pigs. The car had been there for four days and it was five degrees out. I was so sick to my stomach picturing them being like scared and cold. Poor guinea pigs because they were so helpless in that car and they were probably so scared and hungry and cold. But they survived and they are okay. They had two of them. They were friends. They got through yeah. it together. They are still okay, per the Dateline producer on Twitter. She said no no guinea pigs were harmed in the making of this episode. So I think that means that someone took them and they are fine. So it's a long, desolate road, right? It's on this mm -hmm. Indian reservation. Now, you know I have a huge phobia about these roads. I do not like roads like that. And it is not when I got trapped on that road in Utah with my brother and had to go to the bathroom in the side of the road. And we ran out of gas and we had no cell phone signal. We had to flag down a car. All these truckers kept stopping by and walking towards us with their headlights on in the pitch black darkness asking if they could help. And I pulled out my knitting needles because I was sure we were going to get murdered and I was going to have to protect me and my brother. It was a terrible night. But I'm more scared... Well, maybe it is because of that, actually. It's like, a, I, it's all, that story is the only thing that I could think of every time they showed the Montana Highway was your story. And I was like, I think that we should do a bonus episode where Kimberly tells her story about going to Utah with her brother. That's and what I thought. And it gets better because we were asked if we wanted to help with a murder by the tow truck driver, but I'm not going to go. Yeah, I'm going to save it for a later episode. But I think that is must be where that phobia comes from. But every time in a TV show where two people, it happens on The Walking Dead a lot, two people are driving down a deserted road and they're kind of arguing about something. And one of them, the, the one that's driving is like, I'm going to pull over the car so we can discuss this properly. Nope. And then they turn off the car. And my stomach always drops because I'm like, the car's not going to start again. What if it just doesn't start again and you yep. have car trouble? You are on that deserted road. Do not stop that car no matter what. Right. No. You keep going through those places. I don't like it. So anyways, this long deserted road has a really cute nickname. It's an area so violent that it has been nicknamed Stab City. <laughs> Coming to a theater near you. Come on down to Stab City if you want to get stabbed. I don't, I don't no. know how the... The little catchphrase would go. Josh Mankiewicz, Captain Obvious, says, I'm thinking you got to have a lot of stabbings to be called Stab City. Good job. Good job. Oh, Mank. you, Mank. Most of the crime, though, seems to be people that know each other in that town. It, it's not a lot of strangers, hitchhikers. It's literally fights over money, people getting in drunk and getting in fights on the reservation, things like that. Then they had a stranger crime. This woman named Sherry Arnold was a schoolteacher, disappeared on a morning run. An ex-con and his accomplice did it and buried her in a shallow grave. And before that, that town was like Mayberry. But I thought it was called Stab City, so I don't know which one is true. Is it Stab City or is it Mayberry? Yeah, Overbees all over the place on this one. I, I also didn't like, I seriously did not like the way that they kept going back to this case because I felt like they kept bringing this case up in the other case. And every time they made the, the correlations they make throughout the entire episode, I was like, eh, 
It has nothing to do with it. I think they bring it up to show that case got a ton of publicity. Meanwhile, Nikki's case, no one really cares. And I sort of felt like it was a class issue because one was a school teacher. Because one had dogs and one had salamanders. Yes, there you go. So there is a difference betwixt the ladies and the town really came together and did search parties and stuff for Miss Arnold and not so much for Nikki. So what was they find the keys in the car. So we know it's not the car works. It turns on, they said. So she didn't break down on the side of the road. She either left the car and walked somewhere. Mm-hmm. There's it they just don't know what happened. They thought it was either a kidnapping or like a carjacking. They had just no idea. But the fact is she's out there without her medications, which she really needs. And we're talking about Nikki, not Sherry Arnold. Sherry Arnold, it'll keep coming up throughout, but Sherry Arnold Arnold basically is the one crime that they're kind of like, well, it's sort of like this. It's not. Because she was a white girl that was murdered. In the area of a crime where it seems like people just kill each other, this woman was murdered by some stranger. This is the similarity. But yes, the keys in the car are very important to FBI agent Overby because this basically says to him, okay... If I turn the key in the ignition and it works, she could have driven away. Obviously, she was gone. Something happened that she couldn't put the key in the ignition and drive away. And let's be clear. Those are the spare keys, right? Oh, they are? Kimberly, look at that woman's car. That woman oh. has a key, has a keychain <laughs> of all keychains. She does. She's got yes. one from every state she's ever visited. She has a bottle opener. She's got a whole, you know, she's got the whole thing. I will say she made me feel so much better about the status of my car right now because I have a box of toilet paper that was delivered to my work from Amazon that has been sitting in there for two weeks and I've been taking it out one roll at a time to my apartment when I need it because I'm too lazy to bring the box. So I have been driving around with toilet paper in my backseat. And come to think of it, there was a dateline where a guy had toilet paper just strewn across his backseat, remember? And we made so much fun of him. But now I have just a box of toilet paper one roll at a time that is disappearing from my car. I'm a mess. That's another alternative title, One Roll at a Time. That's your first (laughs) book. Kimberly Arnold, One Roll at a Time. (laughs) So, (laughs) okay, we get a new agent on the town. Agent Mark Hilliard, who is a crime scene investigator and a detective. And I think that's because it's a really small town and people do double duty. Oh, you're the sheriff and you're also the taxidermist and you also run the bank on this on Tuesdays. (laughs) And he's the notary. (laughs) Exactly. So he finds what he thinks is very fascinating. A calendar with Valentine's Day has a heart. Not so shocking. A lot of people write draw hearts on it. But it also says Cody forever on it on Valentine's Day. And also she had a medical appointment coming up. So she was making plans for the future. But I think that's important, right? Because on the 15th, she had a medical appointment that she definitely would not have missed. Yes, she did have to keep her doctor's appointments because of her neurological condition. This is also the point where Mink starts calling Nicole Nikki in the episode, by the way. This is when they're at that stage in, you may have reached your, your phase of your relationship with Nicole early enough to call her Nikki. This is where he felt comfortable, is now. I wonder if it was like the contents of her car that made him feel closer. Maybe his car is messy too, and he felt a kinship with her when he saw the car. And now he's like, oh, that's my girl Nikki. That's no longer Nicole. That's my girl, Nick. Yeah. Is it possible? Nick, Nick. 
Nick, 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 like Tom Cruise would always call Nicole Kidman Nick, and it was always just really forced and weird and creepy, like their marriage. I didn't know Do that. You know? The sister, it's Carmen, good. finds out that she didn't make it back home. Nikki didn't make it back home and freaks out. She had no idea. These friends had filed a missing persons report without checking with her family, which I think we can both agree is very bizarre. Why would you not call the family, especially if the sister is someone she talks to all the time. So Carmen has to break the news to her mom that Nikki is missing. Very sad, as you would imagine it would be. They call all the hospitals. They thought she had a brain thing. Carmen calls her best friend, Angie, who I do not know why she's in the episode. She is another one of these tangent friends. She is the friend of the sister. Why are we meeting the sister's best friend? I think that she's good on camera and maybe they couldn't find enough people to interview like Cammy wasn't available enough. What else was Cammy doing? But neither Cammy nor there. Carmen nor this new woman. None of these women actually filed the missing persons report. Yeah, it was some other group of friends. friends. Where are they? No, they didn't want to be on Dateline. Yes. So the friend Cammy thought maybe she just disappeared. She didn't want to talk to anyone. Carmen, the sister, calls Jason, her ex-husband, and he hasn't heard from her. It's 7 a.m. on Valentine's Day morning when he had last talked to her because she had called to say she was headed home because he had the kids. So she was going to come get them. They got along very well, her and Jason, the ex. They had an open door policy about the kids. However, they were supposed to sign divorce papers and parenting details like that's a big deal they were officially ending their divorce i think the next week but i got a really good vibe from jason over the phone even though we only see that one side limited picture of him i just got a good vibe from him over the phone i agree he he said if she had car trouble she would have called me to fix it because i'm a mechanic she would this isn't like her you know she he i dug jason so now we get to meet cody He volunteers to go to the police station. He says, this is big, he says the night before Valentine's Day, they were fighting and they actually decided to break up. All that stuff was in her car because she was packing up and moving out. She was getting all of her stuff and they were going to be done. So that night when they were fighting, he left and went to sleep at his work at his mechanic shop. She slept at his house. And then the next morning, she texted him and said, your dog needs food. I'm very worried about the dog now. And she calls him a couple times, but he didn't want to answer the drama. So he goes back to bed. And then he says he shut off her phone because they are on the same phone plan. And he literally had her phone shut off, which is a really terrible thing to do because yeah. it it is dangerous. She's about to drive a nine-hour drive and has a neurological condition. And he turns off her phone. So that she can't call for help if something happens. It's petty and stupid. So he says he got, Cody says he got home from work and her belongings were gone. Now, it's been a couple days, no word from her. In the middle of the night, Carmen gets a Facebook message from Nicole. This is very weird. It's also spaced weird, but I'm not going to go into that. So the message says... Yeah, it was like a haiku, like a little poem. It was kind of. It says, everybody had a lovely evening, not coming home. Don't laugh at me. Sorry I let everybody down. So Carmen freaks out and calls Angie. So the sister and the friend who is useless, they write back. But She's not useless. Angie has a very nice tattoo that we see for half a second. What on was her it? Upper, on her upper right shoulder. Possibly a tiny dragon. 
Hold me closer, tiny dragon. Because of Game of Thrones, maybe. So they write her back, but there's no reply. This was really sad, was that Carmen, the sister, doesn't tell the parents about the Facebook message. And Josh is like, why? And she said, because I already had to break the news that she was missing. I can't break their hearts again. I can't be the one that's constantly delivering this terrible news. I don't want to get their hopes up and then have to crush it again. It was very sad. So the more Angie and Carmen ponder the email message or the Facebook message, they start to think it's not for her. And get this. Why? Because it was too well spelled. Her normal texts were like my mom's. They show one of them on the screen. It is completely illegible to me. It's real good. Vowels are not important. It was like my mom's, who is 70, and she has a flip phone. So each time she wants to get a letter, (laughs) she has to press the number four three times to get to F. I can't believe that. Her text messages are really good, and that's what Nikki's look like. So it was very strange that she said, had a lovely evening. Because she's now been gone like a week. The tense of that is weird. Also, there was no lovely evening because they had a fight and they broke up. Right. So that was weird too. Carmen sends the message to the FBI. She wasn't sure who she wrote it. Oh, then she says maybe she she got a head injury because of her brain condition. And that's why it sounded so odd. And I was like, her head injury made her type properly? That's sad. Cammy went to Facebook to find Nicole Waller and tried to send out posts to get everyone involved because as she said every time she turned on the news, no one was talking about it. And this is where we talk about Sherry Arnold again. Everyone cared about Sherry Arnold. It was all over the news. It was all anyone could talk about for like a year. And now no one seems to care that Nikki is missing. So she is told that they aren't allowed to go to eastern Montana to do search party hunts and look for Nikki. The FBI says the reason they told them that is because they need to treat the cases differently because Sherry Arnold was snatched off a street with a sneaker left behind, so they had leads. But with Nikki, um, her car was there. She didn't just leave a sneaker, she left a whole car. So WTF, I don't understand. I agree. That makes no sense. I think it's a class thing. I think they kind of wrote her off. They thought she was on meds and they thought she was poor and they did not care as much. I'm sorry because there should have been a search party. That's not right. They do know where she went missing. Her car was right there. That's where she went missing. That is exactly the same as the sneaker. In fact, it's better than the sneaker because a sneaker could blow away a mile away from where you went missing. A car's not blowing away. I, I didn't buy that story. I think it's because she was chubbier than Sherry. And there's a little bit of fatism so you going think it's on here. Class, it's, it's class issues. It's body image issues. And it's the fact that she liked Budweiser and had it in her car. And she didn't have Budweiser in her oh, car. Oh, sorry. She had Marlboros and Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew. It, that's what was like, nope, we're not going to spend as much time on this. And you think that Sherry drinks vitamin water? Yes, I do. She was a runner and a teacher, and I do think she drank vitamin water and went to Starbucks a lot. Yes. The investigators go back to Jason and Cody, right? Because they're all they've got at this point. Yes. That's it. This is, we're not getting anywhere. So Cody says that it was his decision to break up, which is kind of ballsy because he could have just said, no, we were getting along great. And she decided to go home because she missed the kids. And then it would be way less suspicion on him. But he says, no, we fought, we broke up, and it was my decision. Yeah. But then he says, you know, it actually hurts me and it upsets me that people think that I would hurt her because I did everything for her. 
And it's true, according to friends and family, he was the best thing that ever happened to her. He gave them money and bought her a house and raised those kids as his own in the short time. Why are you laughing? I'm laughing because we're about to get into one of my favorite parts of the episode. Oh, it's so good. It's Cliché Valley. Did you <laughs> did you fall into Cliché Valley? Cammie gives about five in a row. Do you know what I'm well, talking about? I got that she was a tornado and he calmed the storm. You got that one. Did you? But that was after... Cody was the best thing that ever happened to her and her happily ever after. They were all done very quickly, succinctly, right in a row. And the finale was she was the tornado and he could calm the storm. It was a lot. It was a lot. That's why I'm laughing. (laughs) I thought it was the other part that's coming up. He actually made six figures and was giving money to her. I understand why the women liked him now. I have to say, women like stability. So her daughter, Ashland, right? Ashland, Nikki's daughter, Ashland. But she started to think of Cody like a dad. Yeah. He was the perfect guy. He loved her and her kids, dot, dot, dot. This is where Carmen, the sister, adds, with all your faults and everything. I mean, do you kind of think you're starting to get the impression that she's like a little too much and a lot of drama? And do they even like her? Does her sister, her sister loves her because it's her sister, but does she even like her? This is a very good question because this is when I'm starting to realize why the friends that reported her missing did not actually go on Dateline. We are about to find out some information that make me want to speak ill of Yes. Of Nick Nick, because yes. this is, give it, lay it on me. This is rough. Yes. Okay. So Co- Cody says he took her to all her doctors and I love her dearly, but, and I quote, she strained every relationship with every person she ever had. Huh. That's weird. And then we find out they broke up and then got back together five months before she disappeared. And then Mankiewicz says, if poor choices made money, Nicole would have been a Rockefeller. And you think it's just the host being a snobby, like, judgy person of the dead victim? But then her sister chimes in and is like, yeah, you're right. She made a crap ton of mistakes. Here's what she did. She told Cody that she was pregnant, but she was not to try to get him back. And I say... That is not, quote, a pretty big mistake. A mistake is when you do something by accident, like, oh, I got orange juice with pulp in it by mistake instead of the pulp-free. This was a calculated thing that Nikki did in an attempt to win back her boyfriend. Also, I feel like a mistake is... A mistake is usually considered a one night stand, right? Because it's something where you go out and you're drinking too much in the heat of passion. This is a, this is, this shows that Nikki was kind of calculating because this is a crazy lie to keep up with and to keep going with. How do you fake for several months? Like he, oh, he's going to love me when he founds out. I I think she's trying to get pregnant during the time when they get back together. She's she's like, I got to get pregnant tomorrow to try to keep up with the lie. And it's not just that. It's that she takes, okay, this is weird. So she took Ashlyn's ultrasound and cuts off the top so you can't see the date. Yeah. Come on. She uses the ultrasound of her first child and recycles the ultrasound. Carmen knows. Carmen, the sister, says, I know it makes my sister look like a real winner, but people have done worse to keep a relationship. Um, What? Have they? Maybe 
on other Dateline episodes when they've killed someone to keep a relationship. <laughs> but other than that... Or kidnapped. I think, right. But on other Dateline episodes. Not normally do people do things worse than this to keep a relationship. So a month before she disappeared, Nicole admitted... She's back to Nicole for me, by the way. I can't call her Nikki after this. Nikki, I was with you when you were all messy and I was fine with the Marlboros and stuff, but when you did this fake preggers story, you're back to Nicole. I can't deal with you right now. <laughs> so she admits to Cody that she is not pregnant a month before she goes missing. And Cody says, girl, you need help, which is, <laughs> yes, indeed she does. If poor choices made money, would you be a Rockefeller? Maybe. <laughs> Don't judge me, Kimberly. I might be. BetterHelp might be for you. BetterHelp offers therapy with a licensed professional therapist in the privacy of your own home. You can start communicating with someone in under 24 hours. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, but you can also send a message to your counselor at any time. Like, I'm considering faking a pregnancy to get my boyfriend back. Text your counselor and they'll hopefully say Ooh. best that you not do that. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Counselors specialize in all kinds of issues like depression, anxiety, family issues, sleeping problems. You've strained every relationship with every person you've ever had. They can help with it all. BetterHelp is easy. It's totally confidential. It's affordable. What are you waiting for? We want you to be the best person that you can be and for Dateline to say nice things about you when you are gone. Yes. So contact BetterHelp. As a listener, you get 10% off your first month by visiting BetterHelp.com forward slash Dateline. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash Dateline. Because this year is going to be your year. To get some better. Help. Nailed it. Thank you, BetterHelp. Thank you, BetterHelp. We have needed you this year. Okay, so where are we at? A new player enters. And then they say someone else was sleeping in Cody's bed. This is when they do their little previews before they go to commercial. And you're like, what? Turns out her name is Amber, who arrived with the bed barely cold. And the brilliance of her being named Amber and Cody looking so much like Gary from Teen Mom will be appreciated by Teen Mom fans. You're welcome, Teen Mom fans. Amber was arrested for hitting Gary on national TV. So I think that Cody clearly has a type. They look identical. There are four or five pictures where you're like, that's it. That's the same woman. It kind of made me think that I could have a boyfriend who makes six figures if I moved to Montana. You could have a guy that makes six figures in Montana that maybe looks like I sort of like the de the detective Hilliard. He yeah, I like sort him of too. a handsome guy. Yeah. But he probably doesn't make six figures because he doesn't work on black gold. But he's honorable. Yes. And you can't put a price on that. So Cody breaks up with Nikki the night before and apparently calls Amber immediately. And she comes over the next day. But here's where it gets a little tricky. Amber was a lifelong friend with Cammy, the friend with the bump it, because everyone knows each other in Montana. And both Nikki and Amber were bridesmaids in Cammy's wedding, the wedding that Nikki totally blew off the rehearsal for. Cammy, with the bump it, had unwillingly introduced Amber to Cody. So she feels badly when he breaks up with Nikki and starts going out with Amber. Her allegiance very clearly lies with Nikki, 
and not with Amber, even though both of them were her best friends, just in different friendship circles. She really sort of judged Amber, I think, for kind of stealing this man, I guess, and she sided with Nikki, although Nikki did this freak fake pregnancy thing, which kind of makes me not as much. But how many people knew scenario. about that fake fake pregnancy? I don't know thing. if Cammy knew. That's a great question. I do not know if Cammy knew about the fake pregnancy. Also, I just wrote down Cammy with the bump it equals Becky with the good hair. Yes. Great new song by Beyonce. Okay. And just saying. Yeezy. It's a mashup. So both Kim Bonse. Okay. Kim Okay. So, <laughs> Sorry. Done. Nicole had used this fake pregnancy to not just get Cody back, it seems, when they had broken up like five months before she went missing, but actually to get him away from Amber because he had been seeing Amber in that time. And she thought, if I'm pregnant, he'll break up with Amber. She had really set the spikes in motion for this whole thing and fake this pregnancy. And it worked out until he found out the truth. And then he started texting with Amber and said, this girl's crazy and she faked this pregnancy. And Amber was saying, you need to break up with her. You need to be with me. And the pot was stirred. Investigators get a search warrant to look at Cody's house. And at this point, Hilliard, I believe it's Hilliard that says they didn't have the luxury of having a body. And let's just not use that phrase. I love you, Hilliard. If it was Hilliard that said it, I love the other guy too. I liked the cops in this episode. But let's not say the luxury of having a body. His doesn't sound great in optics. And I think he probably (laughs) got called into by his supervisor and had a little refresher course on the language to use. No, I think he is the supervisor. I think he, he is the department, remember? Oh, so he can just say luxury. It's great when you have a dead body. Yeah. It is the best when you have a dead body. He can say whatever the heck he wants. It is luxurious to have a body. So Craig, the FBI guy, saw what he thought was blood splatter on the ceiling. But it was spaghetti sauce. Mwah. I feel like that's a horror. I don't know. And again, Ooh. I am a trashy, gross person who has so many takeout containers in my kitchen right now. I would not even judge. I think that every night this week, Oliver has woken up with sunflower seeds poking him in the back because they're in the bed. So if that makes it any better. Yeah. So there's no judgment here about the spaghetti on the ceiling. Okay. So then we get to, they get to interview Amber though. Did we get to, they're just now starting to interview her, right? Yeah. Amber, the local cops, Gino Cook and Kip DeCache or something. Like... (laughs) They sound like they're a 40s gumshoe detective Bruno and Kip. (laughs) So they interview them. And Amber is like kind of very aggressive right away, right? She, he was at work. I have a list of people who saw Cody at work. And she's like going to pull the list out of her purse. Which is also weird. aggressive. Yeah, who keeps that list in, in your purse? And then Cody finally loses his cool. A little bit. And he says, how about I get my phone and I leave? That's as much as he loses his cool. Amber's a little scarier to me. Yeah. Cody says, I bought those kids Christmas presents and I took them to basketball games. I know those kids need their mother back. Don't tell me that. The police confiscate his pickup truck and they find a a black plastic bag with a safe inside. Is that right? Yes. There's paperwork sticking out of it with her name on it, which so defeats the purpose of a safe. Why do you put papers in a safe but leave them half hanging out so that people can read them? That's not what you're supposed to do with a safe. They want to know, basically, if Cody was at work, like Amber says, and apparently all these coworkers say, 
how did Nicole's car wind up an hour away from Cody's house? Because he was at work, so it couldn't have been him that was driving it. So that is where the whole trickiness of the case lies. So they decide to turn to surveillance videos. But this is apparently the slowest town in America. And in 70 miles, they find one surveillance video on top of the local high school. So it'd probably be way easier to get away with murder in a town like that. In L.A., every single place that you go, it is captured on video. Oh, yeah. I don't even... I don't even know if they have video cameras at the banks in this town. You could go to the ATM and take money out. Well, you can take money out at any ATM. You mean you uh, can With someone else's card, and no one would be able to see that you were using someone else's card if there was no video (laughs) snarky pants. So halfway between Cody's house and where the car was found, which was an hour distance, so halfway between there was this high school. And she had texted, they kept saying her caregiver. Care, I think caretaker, it, right? But then they had said she texted Jason, her ex, or called him. I didn't really understand if it was her caretaker or the kids. She texted Jason at 6.50, and then she texted her caretaker or caregiver at 7.30. So Jason was a text at 6.50. Then she says at the 7.30 text, I'm leaving right now to drive home. So I'll be there in eight hours or whatever, but... At 7.30, she said she was leaving. That's why it's weird that the CCTV from the high school shows the expedition driving through at 10 a.m. That's why it's confusing. why did it take her two and a half hours to go 35 miles? Exactly. That makes no sense. So something obviously happened after she said, I'm leaving now. Right. And obviously, we can't see who's in the car because it's the grainiest CCTV in the history of ever. And then not far behind the car. This was good. I was impressed with the police because I would have turned off the tape. I would have been like, there's her car. We know what time. Okay, bye. And they kept watching because they're way smarter than I am. And they see a car behind her. They see a pickup truck like a little bit behind her. But, of course, you still can't tell who's driving or a license plate. But they can tell that there's this something called an amber light on top of the pickup truck that's following her. Yeah, you know. the monster truck lights. So it's I don't like I know what that is or what that's called. It's just you know lights. It, yeah, it's just the lights on the top of the truck. So it's amplified lighting for when you're driving through a place like a prairie or a desert, you're not going to be hitting critters. I guess. But see now, so there's already an amber because he's dating an amber. There is an amber alert, which is something when a kid goes missing, and then there's this amber light. You're over it. You're over amber. Yeah, yeah okay. I'm really over amber. So they track the pickup to this guy, Bill. So Sorterberg. Sorterberg. They find him on a farm in the middle of nowhere. This <laughs> is so cute because Agent Hilliard, maybe my new boyfriend, he is so excited, like a little schoolboy. He runs up to Bill's trailer and just in the middle of it, it's pitch dark outside. And he's like, I'm so excited. I found the truck. He runs up to the door and he knocks on the door and Bill and his wife come out and they're like, hey, Bill, come on and talk to us in the car with the two FBI guys. They have Craig and they have Hilliard. Which one sits in the front? Which one sits in the front next to Bill? Hilliard sits in the front next to No. Yeah, Hilliard sits no, in the front. No, I think it's Craig. I think it's the other guy cuz okay, Hilliard. Go ahead. Okay, okay, so Bill apparently had a 45 on him and has a shotgun. <laughs> and they had no idea because Hilliard was just so excited he had found the truck. He just like got him into that car right away. He never patted him down or anything. He says I made a terrible mistake and I put myself and my colleague in danger. He's such a good guy to say that. 
he was so sweet, like a puppy dog. And he, he was, was just nice so excited that there was a break in the case that he just didn't even think about it. And the guy had a 45 <laughs> on him. But the guy, thankfully, um, was was very nice and thought that they were there to kill him. He's yeah. like, I thought you were there to kill me. He said, I thought you were a hitman. And they're like, why would we be hitmen? We're with the FBI. And the he says, I thought you're here to, sent to kill me by Cody. <gasps> here we go. Then we get the second good expression that everyone's heard, apparently, except for me. I've never heard that a good friend will help you move, but a best friend will help you move a body. Is that another expression that Mank is pretending that everyone has heard? Or am I dumb and have never heard it? No, you're getting another pillow. That's, yeah. I've never heard it. uh, Okay, so Mank is just filled with expressions that no one has heard, but we love them nonetheless, and we are going to take them as gospel from now on. So I'm going to just say it as if everyone knows it now. And if someone's like, what? I'm going to be like, duh, Mankowitz coined it. You haven't heard that expression? No, so, uh-uh. <laughs> so Bill says that Cody had called him on Valentine's Day at 8 a.m. and said Nikki had run off with another man. That's interesting. There was no other man in Nikki's life, sadly. Bill says that Cody is driving Nicole's car and that he wanted to play a practical joke on her, like move her car an hour away and park it in the five degree cold where she will have to not be able to find it. If you want to play that practical joke on someone, you move it like two blocks away because they still won't be able to find it. And then you don't have to drive two hours both ways to play this prank on someone. That is not a prank. Two blocks, that'll do it. So Josh is very skeptical of this. He says, I know y'all are more, he says y'all. I love, he gets colloquial there. I know y'all are more trusting here than we are in the big city. <laughs> it's, oh, Mankey. I love, I love my Mank. So, but Bill was very innocent. He was like, I did, I thought it was kind of odd, but whatever. I, I'll do it. And so he follows Cody and Nicole's car in his truck with the amber light on it. Cody stops the car and leaves it there. And Bill thinks it's kind of odd that when Cody's getting out of the car, he's wearing gloves little strange and has two cell phones on him that's kind of weird and then cody breaks one of the phones and throws it away bill this innocent little pearl of a man with a long beard is like huh that's weird i don't know what's going on eventually well was it the barrel that did it i don't know what pushes bill over the edge it's the barrel it could have been the fact that cody then starts looking for a barrel like a steel drum with a lid on it. That might have been what made Bill turn and think something was wrong. But eventually, by the time the cops find him, he is full-on convinced that he helped participate in something and that Cody was going to have a hit put out on him. Weeks have passed now, and there's then months have passed, and the family still has no idea what's going on. The sister bakes a cupcake for Nikki's birthday, She's back to Nikki now because it's sad and makes a wish because of the barrel. That was sad. Barrel's always sad. So makes a wish to find her. That's really sweet. And then the police finally tell them that although they aren't ready to arrest him, that Cody did it. They're sure that Cody did it. They just can't arrest him yet. So 
for Cammie with the bump it, it meant that her best friend was dead and her other best friend was now engaged to a murderer and possibly knew about the murder of the other best friend. Cammie needs to pick a team. Look, Amber was her maid of honor, right? So I thought they were both brides. No, you're right. You're right. Amber Amber was was the the maid maid of honor. honor. You're right. So you're right. Amber gets top billing here. So uh, honestly, Cammie with the bump, it should not be on Dateline at all. If you're going through this, I'm not going on Dateline and talking about you because you possibly are married to a murderer and have killed one of the other bridesmaids. But I am not at all likely to be the Amber in this situation. I am 100% more likely to be the Nikki in this situation. You got to give Amber the tiniest bit of credit because the other girl lied about being pregnant. She did. And honestly, it doesn't matter. Amber was the maid of honor. She's better friends with Amber. I am better friends with you. But does that oath of the hierarchy of the bridesmaids and the maid of honor last forever? Yes. This has now been at least 10 years, 15 years more like it. So do you, does, let's say I am possibly involved in a murder in 10 years and one of the bridesmaids, I was the maid of honor, but one of the bridesmaids was, has been loyal to you that whole time and maybe solved the murder that I was involved in. Would you not jump ship and go to one of the bridesmaids? Or you're saying this hierarchy is everything. The hierarchy is basically a blood oath. For life. Surprise. No matter what the other person does. I could do anything. Don't take advantage of this, but... I could kill one of your cats. Oh, you wouldn't. Because you love animals and you love life. (laughs) Who has a guinea pig in the back of their car? Two! But she didn't even have... That's, again, not really a... Come on. And they were covered by, like sheets and stuff but it's not a dog or why is she traveling with the guinea pig why are the guinea pigs at cody's we didn't get into that at all yeah they should have not been at cody's and they should have been at with her kids but maybe when the kids would visit cody it made them excited because there were guinea pigs at the house i don't know if he was such a great like potential stepdad maybe he got guinea pigs to win the kids over that's something cody would do totally see that because he loved look he had the face he wanted to be the good guy he wanted to put the face on of being the great boyfriend so he wanted something with not that much responsibility like a cat like a guinea pig only lives like five or six years but a cat will live 17 so it's like i don't want the, all the commitment of a cat yes These i want to look like the great potential stepdad when the kids come to visit the rest of the time i can totally ignore these pieces of crap that are in my house <laughs> That's what I think Cody was thinking with those guinea pigs. Yeah, yeah. Mm-mm. He didn't like that. So what happens with Cody and Amber? What do they do? <laughs> okay. So, uh, well, first, before the exciting event happens, Cody and Amber take an epic photo at a family <laughs> fair dressed in old Western gear with a sepia tone. Sepia? Sepia? Si. Se- sepia? We're sure? Nailed it. I thought it was sepia. I want to I want to take one of those so, photos with you by the way. The next time we're in an area with that photo, oh yeah. if we go to Disneyland, we're taking one of those damn photos. But we would be doing it ironically because we're way cooler. No, I seriously want genuinely. one. <laughs> I know. I said serious I want one. I really do too. I, I want a fun. western and I want it in an 8x10. I want the big one. I none of this like <laughs> 4x6. I want the big one. I'm going to hang it on my wall. <laughs> 
That's what I want. Maybe if you're being investigated for your ex's murder, yeah, you don't. don't take pictures of yourself <laughs> as a gunslinging Western criminal. All right. So I think the epic event that you meant was not the old Western family fair photo. No. And the, the fact that they got married. They got hitched. Amber and Cody, yes, get married. And Cammie was supposed to be in the wedding, but couldn't because she had another friend getting married. She has a lot of friends, Miss Cammie. Cammie with a puppet. She is popular. And now she's like really glad that she wasn't in the wedding. I think, no, I think Cammie has a lot of friends. I think Cammie's a cancer. She's got. So am I. Yeah, I know. But you're not like Cammie. I liked Cammie. But she does believe in love because she does keep saying about all how all she wants all her friends to get there happily ever after, which also makes me think that Cammie is really into Disney. I thought the exact same thing when you said that. Yeah. She watches Snow White a lot. Yeah. And she's bumping her hair up to have it be like a more regal, like a tiara. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. That's Uh what I think. Yeah, I gotcha. So here's when we get a little bit of a sad twist is my boyfriend Hilliard gets diagnosed with stage four melanoma cancer. This is which is yes. And he is feels almost worse. About then about the cancer, he then having to tell Carmen, the sister, because of what it will mean for the case, that this case will slow down. And Carmen is kind of because she's like, we just can't catch a break. And it's like, (laughs) I know you didn't mean it like that. And your sister is missing. But like this guy has stage four cancer and you're saying you can't catch a break because the investigator has stage four cancer. It didn't sound great. No. But he genuinely was being so selfless. Like, he was way more worried about the case. So he gets his cancer treatments. And right next to him, again, because everyone knows each other in this town, at the cancer center is the prosecutor, Grant Light, who is... Brant. They're like work... Brant Light. Oh, are you sure? Brant with a B as in boy. I don't think so. I think on Twitter I saw Josh said it was Grant. We're gonna I'll call, go back to Twitter. Let's call him Light. Oh, Light. I like light. that. Light, was, light and okay. Hilliard. Okay, so what? let's go through this quickly because it makes me sad. They're working on the case while they get their chemo done. And the problem is still that there's no body. And there had never been a no-body prosecution case in Montana, which, again, drives me crazy. Because when a woman with a bunch of children who is not a drug user or an alcoholic goes missing... There's something wrong because most mothers, I'm going to say 99% of the time, will not leave their three children willingly for years and get in no contact with them or any of their family. So it doesn't matter that there's not a body. There still was a murder. So two and a half years of new development in cell phone tracking has now happened, which is great. And Hilliard, on a break from chemo, gets to finally arrest Cody. They try to make a deal with him 80 years in prison if he tells where the body is. He won't do it. So they are going to trial. Prosecutor Light makes a life-altering decision. Three weeks before the trial, he stops chemo so that he'll have the energy for the trial. So So sad. So sad. We start the trial. Cody is there. And his wife, Amber, is there. With their new baby. And that, yeah, that was rough for Carmen, the sister, because she didn't know about the baby. Yeah, that's rough. And Josh gives her a look when she says that, like, that hurts. 
when you see that them like happily with their baby. So at the trial, they say she obviously is dead and because she's had no contact with the children, she has not withdrawn any money. It's obvious that she's gone. This tech nerd can show by cell phone where Cody was the day of the murder. And this is where his story falls apart. So he had said he had slept at work. He texted her. Then he avoided her many, many calls and went to bed. But the phone map shows that after she called him, he left and drove back to his house. And that on the road back to his house, he was calling her five or six times, not her calling him repeatedly. Yeah. At 7.25, she texts her caregiver saying she's leaving, but he shows up at like 7.26. That was the bomb that dropped. Almost out of there, he comes up and she could have, oh, it's if she'd left two minutes earlier, she could have missed him. So, so this gets weird, right? This next part? This whole thing was weird. I'm talking about that the, the bra- that they start no they start talking about how this is all about money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, they say some some of one of their theories is like a great boyfriend, and then he just snapped. Right. One of the theories is that Amber was really putting pressure on him to choose, and then they do say it was about money that it was about this house that he had bought for her, and he was trying to get out of the house, her out of the house, but maybe so he and Amber could. Sell it or move into it? And they it? were saying that Amber was putting pressure on him to get her out of it. Problem was, is that Nicole's name was on all o- all over those documents in that safe about the house. She was supposed to be paying Cody off for the house. That's what was supposed to be happening, but she was not doing that. It was more like a loan. So then he had someone come and put a padlock on her house. The night before Valentine's Day. The night before, when they got in the fight. He sent, yes. he called someone and said, go and put a padlock on it. So she had spoken, I think when she talked to Jason, Jason told her at like 6.50 the next morning, hey, you know there's a padlock on your door. And we finally get to see a little more of Jason the ex then. So then it became like, that's what the weird the weird rigmarole was, is that it beca- he was driving back because she was calling and saying, why are you padlocking my house? And so... He's furious. And this is also why he took the safe and put it in the back of his truck was because the safe had that paperwork that was sticking out where anyone could see that says that she owned the house. Right. And so he, a few days after she disappears, he drives to her house, gets the safe and brings it back. But also, this isn't a two hour drive. It's across the state. This is why I keep getting like, what are these people doing? And what kind of cars do they have? The other thing was he had money of his own. He had made six figures, but it was more like he had made the promise to Amber that he was going to get the house back. Yeah. And she was putting all his pressure on him, like nagging him. And so he was like, I got to get this house back. But they could afford a house on their own. It was just like a matter of principle almost. They could be. There's more to there's more to the story. We're not a hearing. control thing or Amber was crazy, crazy pushy or or amber was like i'm gonna move my mom in here amber had plans for Mm. the house there's something we're not hearing about you know right so bill testifies our beloved bill with the beard who didn't know that he was an accomplice in the murder he cleaned up and he cleans up great yes he does he's wearing a red brawny man flannel shirt (laughs) and a fuzzy fleece vest which is totally appropriate for court i love bill 
I am 100% on Team Bill. I think that is fine to wear to court in Montana. I, I'm for it. So this is odd, too. They, the cell phone people say that Cody turned off his phone until 1 p.m. that day. So they think in that window was maybe where he was disposing of the body. Then we find out this was bad. Can you hear my dog going I do, crazy? I do. He's really upset. He, maybe he didn't like Bill's outfit for court and did not think it was appropriate. I think it was great. Cody asked, I don't know how he could possibly cover for this part of the story. He asked three different friends to send the Facebook message, the one from Nicole. That said, had a lovely evening. Yeah. He literally asked three different people. The first two turned him down because it felt shady, which it totally is. It is. And the third one did it, but realized it was a bad thing to do. I would be so so suspicious right. if someone said, log into my ex's Facebook account and send this message from her. Yeah. No, I'm going right to the police. That's, it's super shady. If he had her password, why did he involve other people? I think Mank asked that question. Why couldn't he just do it himself if he had the password? And the prosecutor says, I don't think Cody thought things out very well, <laughs> which is great. But I thought, hey, maybe it was like an IP address kind of thing. Maybe he was actually smart and that he didn't want them to know that the Facebook message was sent from his IP address. So he wanted a friend to send it. Is that possible? That he was smarter than we think he is? Uh, uh, <laughs> okay. Fair fair enough. Okay. So Cody, on trial, is wearing a blue flannel shirt with a black vest over yep. it and two huge layers of collars. The collars almost point out to, like, his armpits. They're large collars. Who told him that that was the way you dress up for court when you were being accused of murder? Did Amber give him that advice? <laughs> or is it his lawyer? I want to know. So to go through Cody's testimony really fast, because it's all a piece of crap lie anyways. He says he was a great boyfriend. He always took her to the doctor. He helped her buy that house. He was great with the kids. But then she faked this pregnancy and he left her. And also that she was addicted to painkillers. But the records show that she had been clean for 10 months. And he says she fell off the wagon, and that's why they broke up before Valentine's Day, so that she would go to treatment. We have no verification of that. The home that he bought for her was the big snag that Amber had texted, you know, stay with me, evict her from the house. He woke up to Nicole's calls that morning. She was angry about the padlock, and he was worried about her state of mind. And so he lied to the police about going home because he knew it looked bad. But when he got there, she was already gone. But her car was there? Makes no sense whatsoever. That's what he says. So he took her car and with Bill's help to be vindictive, moved it, drove two hours back and forth to pull this prank on her. He says he was childish and behaving badly. None of it makes any sense. He said he was scared, so he did the Facebook prank. But the prosecutor, he is going after him. He almost gets him to trip up and say he hid the body. He's like, you hid the body and then blah, blah, blah. And Cody's like, yeah, no, I didn't I didn't hide the body. That was good. He got him for a it second. Was, yes. So the next day he's on the stand and he's wearing lighter blue flannel shirt and a brown <laughs> corduroy vest. He really likes his vests, Cody. The jury deliberates for a couple hours. And the judge reads the verdict. He is found guilty of murder and tampering with evidence for hiding her body. 
and it became the first case in Montana without a body, which is awesome. And the prosecutor says when he sees their face, it's why they do this. When he saw the sister's face and I guess the rest of her family who we never meet. And Cody is now crying and he's hugging his wife, Amber, who's crying. And Carmen's friend says that Carmen felt so badly she wanted to go give Amber a hug. Which is, no, no. Even though they all know each other. Just no. Then they try to get Cody again to admit where the body was. But no luck. He won't say anything. Well, they keep throwing deals at him, like really yeah, good and he deals. Won't, and he won't take it. I think he thinks he has appeals coming and that he can get off. So this is where we meet the daughter, Ashland. I thought she was adorable. She's very sweet. She's a teenager. She's like 12 years old. She thinks it's her fault. And Josh is good with kids. And he says, you know, it, 12-year-olds don't take care of adults. You, It's not your fault. You do not... I think it, if your mom is constantly a mess and also has really bad medical issues, then yeah. you have to do a lot of the parenting of the younger siblings, and you kind of have to take care of the parent, too. Okay. So she feels like she, at 12, should have protected her mom, which is really, really sad. So then Cody agrees to sit down with Mankiewicz. And is he wearing flannel again? Yes, he, he brought in his prison flannel, his finest okay. prison flannel. It's blue. Oh. Josh starts off very, this was different. Usually Josh starts off really nice, even when he's talking to the murder people. But he starts off really aggressively, right off the bat. If you know where you the body is, you are putting the family through hell. Why are you doing that? Mank really liked Carmen. Oh, yeah, that could be. That's why, because he, he laughed so much at that story. Yeah. Cody says he doesn't know where the body is. And if she, she doesn't even know if she's dead. And if she showed up tomorrow, things would be different. What the hell does that mean? Yes, things would yes, be different because she be different. wouldn't be dead. She would not be dead. So you would not be in prison. I don't, un I don't not understand. Cody has this new baby son, I think, which is their second baby together. Is that right? No, same baby. Same original, same baby? original baby. Yeah. Cody wants his son to know that he didn't do this. And Josh is like, well, what do you regret? What did you do wrong? He's like, well, I'm sorry I moved the car and that I lied to the police. Even the police, though, admit that he was great for Nicole. Like all the friends said, he was a nice boyfriend to her until his temper made him snap. And so Josh, who's so smart and sneaky, starts pushing him, trying to get him to snap. And he asks him a question, and he starts cussing. And he's like, F this. I'm not going to let you make me look like an a-hole anymore. I'm done. And then he calls Josh like an arrogant something, and I couldn't even tell what it was because there was... He says, F you, you arrogant a-hole. Josh had virtually no expression on his face, right? Interviewed murderers before. You're not going to scare me. Yeah. He didn't even flinch. He was great. He was a, a pro. He was a complete professional. Well done. Well handled. Yeah. So the producers and Mank get Cody to calm down. True. That's and sit weird. Down. It's awesome. Well, no, I think Cody thought about it for a second and was like, if I sit down and am very polite, maybe they'll use this part of the interview <laughs> instead of the part with the, the screaming and cussing. They totally screw him over and they use both. So he looks even crazier because now he's being so polite and he's like, no, sir, I did not have anything to do with this. And he's being like he's at a tea party or something. Yep, you're totally right. He's thinking I did. So, he's telling his lawyer, I calmed down and I did so good. And they're going to use that part where I am so professional and I seemed really nice and like 
very, I called him sir. I did so good. And they air both parts because, of course, they do. Josh does give a little bit of an eye roll at one point and a little, I think it's a little nod to us going, yeah, we see you, Josh. We know what you're thinking. So Cody is eligible for parole in 2049, which is still too close for Uh me. The detective, Hilliard, and the prosecutor are both still doing their cancer treatments, but they are really strong and they're both taking on new cases, which is awesome. Like, they're still working. They love it. But unfortunately, there's still no body, and so the family has no grave. It's another one of those sad stories where they still need to find the the body, but instead of the desert, it's the prairie. It's like these lands are just impossible to find these bodies. And he had his phone off, so they can't track where he was uh on twitter good twitter they have got to have some good ones not your son says just know when you commit a murder dateline will uncover your worst selfies faster than the detectives can find the body (laughs) i i'm so glad that someone else noticed besides us that they pick the most unflattering pictures they really do Dr. Barbie says, maybe like a football ref, Josh Mankiewicz can throw a flag for profanity, that flag being a chic pocket square. Hashtag gingham flag. Rayford, so do women outnumber men in Montana? They're all chasing Cody. And then I did wonder if it was like a reverse Alaska situation. There's like one man for every 10 women. And that's why Cody has all these women fighting over him. Cody made money, remember. That's true. Dateline asked us, would you lie to maintain a relationship? Now, it's they make it seem like it's an innocent lie. <laughs> like, you know, I don't fart in my sleep, but you really do. And she said that she was pregnant, and she wasn't. But um, Rebecca Crook said, yes, and by the way, Josh Mankiewicz is my baby daddy. And I say, <laughs> no, Rebecca, he is my baby daddy, and that is a good lie, though. And Misty Marie Battle, she's right on point here. She said, well, dang, girl, can't even get a search party. And then she had a little sad gift from Mean Girls where she's crying. And I was like, You're, she couldn't even get a search party. It was What sad. is wrong with the – it was so sad because I love a search party. But is that why they kept talking about how vast the prairie was, basically excusing it? Like, no, no, it's far too vast. There's far too much vastness. We can't have a search party. <laughs> it's so vast. There's so much vastness, you will never be able to cover the vastness of it all. Janie Thompson said, This makes me want to text all my friends and tell them that I would never go off the grid or into hiding. Can we just both say that right now? If one of us is missing, I didn't just go to the woods. I'm always at my house. So if I'm not there, something's wrong. Oh, Misty Marie Battle again. Said, sad there's no mustaches tonight. I feel you. Because there were so many last week and we got spoiled. And that's pretty much all on Twitter. Twitter was a little quiet. Well, it's a Sunday night. It's a Sunday night. I know. There was a lot of people like, I didn't know it started at 7. I got to put away my groceries (laughs) right now. Or I missed half of it. My washer exploded. I had to go. What was in the back seat making that noise in the car? Was it her children? And you're like, no, it was guinea pigs. People were like half watching this episode while doing other things, it seemed like. They were doing their Sunday unwinding at the same time. And I don't think they were focused as much. That's... That's why Twitter was a little slow. Do you have any alternative theories for this episode? Because I think Cody did it. I think or Cody Amber. Did it. I, I think Amber, Amber could have been involved. Amber helped dispose of the body and was doing things back at the house while he was moving the car. But I have no proof. 
But I think it's totally valid. Yeah, it's plausible, right? Yeah. Totally plausible. Do you have any MVPs of this episode? I mean, the cancer guys, for sure. Yeah, I I would say that Bill Soderbergh is my MVP. I I liked him a lot with the the 45 rifle in the car. I thought you were coming to kill me. (laughs) Oh, Bill. I do like Bill. Who are your MVPs? The cancer guys, I think. Or the ex-Jason. I liked him. Uh, Grant Light. Grant Light. Yeah. Hilliard. You did love Hilliard. So. Yes. So you did. what did you rate this episode out of five cell phone bings? I gave this one a 3.9. I liked oh, it. Oh, I, I liked it as well. I'm going to go What'd you four. Give? Four. I'm going to go <gasps> because I loved the sound in the back of the van that we didn't know what it was. And I'm glad those skinny pigs are okay. And then we got Josh getting yelled at. And then, I know. That was And then we crazy. got a family fair, sepia-toned Western photo. And a fake pregnancy. Yes, a fake pregnancy. Oh, we got this episode had it all. Oh, yeah. The bridesmaid dress alone. The two the bridesmaids. The two bridesmaids in the blue lacy uh, saloon on a steamboat <sighs> casino hostess job. The riverboat hostess. It's really yeah. good. Riverboat yeah. hostess. Their best. Wear your finest riverboat attire. <laughs> <laughs> my theme for my wedding <laughs> what what's your theme for the wedding is it rustic chic no it is riverboat <laughs> casino theme it's mark twain <laughs> <laughs> oh that's what i'm gonna do if i ever get married and i don't even want a wedding or a theme but i'm gonna do one just to have a riverboat themed wedding full on <laughs> okay do you have anything else to add i don't <laughs> good night everyone don't watch alone <laughs>